Welcome to the Commune Podcast. My name is Jeff Krasnow. Today on the show, you'll hear a Blinkist shortcast episode titled Sober Curious. And given the potential excesses of the holiday season, the release of this episode may be appropriately timed for you and for me. So Blinkist is an app that gives you key messages from more than 5,500 nonfiction books and podcasts sent right to your smartphone to read and to listen to. So Blinkist has taken a handful of commune podcasts and rendered them in really interesting and unique ways. So I decided to feature a few of those episodes here on the commune podcast. So in this episode, I was joined by Ruby Warrington, journalist and author of the book, Sober Curious. We discuss alcohol consumption, a deeply ingrained facet of our social culture. And we experience the consumption of alcohol at almost every social setting from weddings to funerals, from work events to family events. We got a raise. Let's have a drink. We got fired. Oh, shit. Let's have a drink. But rarely do we stop to question the impact alcohol has on our long-term mental and physical well-being. Because if you're a normal drinker, why bother? Well, this episode encourages you to get curious about the role alcohol plays in your life and, more importantly, why you consume it. But before we dive in, I have a small, minuscule favor to ask of you. Here at Commune, we're curious. What topics do you want to hear about on the podcast next year? Go to onecommune.com slash 2024 survey to let us know. And who knows, we may create a whole episode inspired by your idea. Thanks so much. Okay, now without further delay, I present to you Ruby Warrington. Today, we're talking about alcohol. Now, alcohol is something that is deeply ingrained in our culture. In fact, we experience it in almost every social setting, from weddings to funerals, from celebrations to times of sadness. I got this great promotion. Let's have a drink. We broke up. Let's have a drink. <sighs> but rarely do we stop to question the effects that drinking has on our mental and physical well-being. Because if you're a quote-unquote normal drinker, then why bother? For so long, we've had this very black and white polarized paradigm of there are fucked up drinkers and there are normal drinkers and there's just nothing in between. And actually, there are as many shades of gray as there are human beings in between. Understood more broadly, addiction can relate to myriad unhealthy attachments, external agents that we seek out in search of wholeness, connection, and happiness. And often these dependencies are insidious and subtle, and by extension harder to address. They won't kill you, but they can prevent you from ever really taking off. And so you continue drinking, limping from one social setting to another. And you're limping through life and maybe you're having an occasional panic attack. Maybe you don't have any energy because you're not sleeping properly. And we never think maybe it's the alcohol. Because the media, the booze industry, like society in general, conditioning just tells us alcohol is the answer. But we all just intuitively know that alcohol is really bad for us. So let's look at why we still engage then. 
This is Ruby Warrington. Ruby is an author, public speaker, and journalist who coined the term sober curious. Sober curious was the terminology I came up with to describe my own evolving relationship with alcohol. In her book, Sober Curious, that later turned into a cultural movement, Ruby explores a non-dogmatic approach to sobriety by encouraging people to start taking a closer look at the role alcohol plays in their life and why they consume it. It's one of the five most addictive substances on the planet. So know the nature of the beast. Know what you are dealing with. Now, the reason why Ruby embarked on this journey was her own curiosity around why she relies on alcohol in certain types of situations. I have a background in journalism, which is, you know, media is a very kind of like alcohol-soaked area. So in my 20s and early 30s, I became a pretty heavy social drinker and it was very much interwoven with my career progression. It really helped me get up the career ladder to be, to at, be the right at the right parties, parties to right network with the right people. Um, and Ruby's experience isn't at all unusual, but it's far, far away from the image of alcoholism we usually conjure up. The image that we have of an alcoholic is like somebody who needs a drink as soon as they wake up in the morning, is drinking every day, is regularly blacking out and has had some dire life consequences. None of these things were occurring in my life. But something else was occurring in Ruby's life. I was going through a period of real extreme anxiety. A lot of it work-related. I was in a really high-pressure role. And this anxiety I was experiencing was really exacerbated any time I drank. And on the flip side, I was possibly drinking a bit more to relax harder or switch off harder when I could, if that makes sense. And it became harder to ignore the fact that alcohol was actually having a, a more of a negative impact on my overall well-being than any of the kind of benefits I thought I was getting from it, which were, you know, relaxation, socializing, etc. As the negative impacts were becoming harder and harder to ignore, Ruby started to get curious. I began to question, like, why am I using this substance? And why is it expected of me to use this substance? And why are there certain situations when it feels like if I don't use this substance, I've kind of ruined everybody else's night? Like, all of these things. Come on, just one drink. We barely see each other these days. Let's have some fun. You're probably familiar with this kind of encouragement. But as soon as you step out of what I now have come to term our dominant drinking paradigm. Everything becomes illuminated and like, whoa, hold on. Maybe I'm going to allow myself some wiggle room, some experimentation and some curiosity and some questioning about what works for me. So how do we know what works for us and what we do just because we're conditioned to believe this is the norm? It's really only when we can start to look at those deeper whys that we can begin to unravel our need and our reliance on the external things to kind of paper over the cracks. So what is alcohol really filling in for? Many of us reach for alcohol in social situations to feel less inhibited and more confident, or we drink to become less introverted, to lubricate our social ability. But the deeper question here is, well, why am I not confident enough in the first place? Why do I feel so uncomfortable? in my own skin. Why do I feel like I'm not good enough? I feel so tenderly for all of us when we're in that situation. It's almost like our deepest 
human need is to belong and to feel accepted and to feel included. Mm. We have such a fear of being the outcast. It's very primal. And so along the way, all of us learn there are parts of us that are not accepted, that are not okay. And we learn to become ashamed of them and to not show them for fear of not being loved and not being accepted. So we drink to feel accepted. But why exactly does this need for belonging require alcohol? Alcohol essentially stops us from monitoring how we're being received. So in my research for Sober Curious, I discovered that there's a part of the brain, it's called the right temporoparietal junction, and that specifically switches off the monitoring what other people think of us. So we do feel in that moment of drunkenness like it's okay to just be us and we'll be accepted just as we are because we're not hypervigilant for like, how are you perceiving me? And so we learn to associate alcohol with the ability to be ourselves, the ability to unleash inner fun, easiness, or confidence. Like many of us, I was essentially teaching my brain from age 14, which is when I first started drinking to fit in, be popular, etc. I was teaching my brain that I needed alcohol to facilitate that confidence. So there's a lot of conditioning that needs to be undone, but Ruby believes it's worth the effort. Like people ask, what's the biggest benefit of being sober curious? And yeah, I could go to the sleep and yeah, I could go for the like great digestion. I could go for the clear skin and all those things. But like the biggest is just how much more confident I feel as a non-drinker. Wait, wasn't the whole reason we drink in the first place to gain confidence in social situations? So there's something I talk about in the book called the confidence paradox. The confidence paradox, meaning that if we manage to go past our fears of not being good enough, not being accepted, we tend to find out that we actually feel more confident without the booze. And it's actually very logical. Being in a social situation with all of my faculties about me, all of my mental clarity, sharpness, focus, and not to mention all of my empathy and feeling senses and intuition about people and situations, with full access to all of that, I actually feel so much more confident. What I don't find myself doing is hanging out anywhere that I don't feel comfortable. If I'm at a social situation and it feels awkward and shit, I'll leave. <laughs> Whereas my old MO might have been like, I'll have another couple of drinks to get into it. When we're sober, it's harder to cross our own boundaries or to let other people cross them. Because why would you want to fit in somewhere where you don't feel comfortable in the first place? But of course, we don't only drink because we fear we won't be able to fit in somewhere new without alcohol. We might also drink because we're afraid of losing friends we already have. And this fear is real, but it goes both ways because as you learn more about yourself, you are going to change. And so will the things that you're comfortable doing and the situations you're happy to find yourself in. When we are undergoing any kind of internal transformation, we start to just naturally attract people on a different energetic frequency and the other relationships just fade away. There's no need for it to be a big dramatic life. When you get clear about what is important to you and why you're doing it, you might find that your social life changes organically. When I choose to live from those principles and every choice that I make and everything I put in my calendar goes through that filter first, there's just a natural reprioritization mm. of who you're spending your time with and where you're putting your energy. And so the other stuff will just get crowded out. 
Speaking about time and energy and going back to the issue of boundaries, another reason why we turn to the bottle is because we're so often encouraged in our daily work lives to cross our boundaries on a consistent basis and that alcohol can feel like a remedy. Alcohol was the only way sometimes that I could shut my brain down. I mean, I've really identified rampant workaholism since removing alcohol. And when I'm in that burnt out state, I'm more likely to reach for some kind of a quick fix. Reaching for a quick fix sometimes seems like the best solution because our lives are just so fast. Sometimes it feels like the world never stops to give us a break or a pause. We live in a very time-crunched society, increasingly time-crunched. And so the idea of being able to turn on a high when we want to feel good is really appealing. But it's just not sustainable and it's not real. Brene Brown has a brilliant quote. You can't selectively numb emotion. Numb the dark and you numb the light. While we've been feeding off these kind of um, synthetic man-made highs (laughs) that we might get from alcohol and other substances... We're forgetting the fact that our body's actually really well equipped to bring us extreme states of pleasure when we are tapped into it and when we give ourselves the time. But when social drinking is so entrenched in our daily lives and teenage habits have hardened into an insatiable adult thirst, are we capable of tuning back into our bodies and experiencing the natural highs? Alcohol can provide very high highs and it brings very low lows in polarity to that. And I think for anyone contemplating no longer existing in that kind of roller coaster of emotion, the idea, I suppose, is that life could become very monotonous. But what I realized and what I think many people experience when they remove the alcohol is that, yes, life settles down to this more stable cadence. However, we realize what we've been missing is the incredibly subtle but way more sustainable ecstatic states. Like, I find myself often just walking down the street, that annoying person with a huge smile on my face because the sky is so beautiful. And I'm just like, who knew I could feel so much? I never want to give that up again. So by now, are you maybe feeling a little sober curious? The most important lesson here is that being sober curious is all about seeing what feels right for you. I'm not saying alcohol is bad and everyone needs to stop drinking. I'm not pro-prohibition. If anything, I'm pro-education and information. And what I'm really pro is each and every individual feeling so empowered and so confident in trusting themselves and their own experience, their own lived experience, that they always know what's the right choice for them. So experiment, try out something different and see what kind of situations you're naturally drawn into when you don't have a drink in hand. Perhaps like Ruby, you'll experience and rediscover a greater sense of confidence in your own skin. Thank you for listening to this short cast of the Commune Podcast. And if you enjoy this show and would like to receive 30 days of free all access to Commune membership, well, write us a review on Apple Podcasts. Scroll down to the review section and tap write a review. 
then email support at onecommune.com with a screenshot of your review, preferably a good one, to gain access to more than 130 courses featuring the world's top authors and thought leaders, all free for 30 days. And while you're there, make sure you're subscribed. And don't forget to answer one of our most burning questions. What do you want to hear about on the podcast in 2024? Just go to onecommune.com slash 2024 survey and let us know. Of course, feel free to reach out to me directly anytime at jeffk at onecommune.com. And lastly, but certainly not leastly, I'd like to thank the folks that make this show possible week over week over week, including Jacob Lau, Megan Stone, Violet Augustine, Cooper Mall, Silvana Alcala, Wellington Gonzalez, and Ryan Tillotson. What a team. Okay, that's all from the commune for today. My name is Jeff Krasnow, and I'm here for you. Thank you.